It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. What's going on, guys? It's Tuesday, October 16th. Matt back with you again today. Uh, John will not be doing a podcast today. He's got a lot of stuff going on with school and life. Uh, So what I'm going to do today is finish breaking down the remaining games in that Sunday afternoon slate. The Rams, Broncos, Ravens, Titans, Jags, Cowboys, and then, of course, the Sunday night game, Chief Patriots. I will then give my Monday night breakdown where that bad man Aaron Rodgers comes all the way back to beat the 49ers once again with the 49ers-Packers game last night. Uh, And then I will give you guys my waiver wire ads again. Uh... Just uh, just to give you guys a heads up, as I know I do it a little bit different than John. Again, I'm just going to go off what ESPN rankings have, or not the rankings, but uh, their their player own percentages. I know a lot of people use those. Again, I prefer my fantasy league. Uh, that's where I do, and Flea Flicker is where I do a lot of my leagues at. Um, but I I usually use ESPN's own ownage percentage on players. Uh, so I usually try and go through there. Went through there earlier this morning. Found a bunch of guys that were, you know, under about 60%. I feel that's like a fair amount. Of, you know, that that leaves a fair amount of uh, room, I guess. Fit 60 to 50% if they're available in that many uh, leagues. And there's a chance that they're available in yours. Obviously, we've had a lot of breaking news stuff today as well with Devonta Freeman. We'll jump right into that after this little little soliloquy here, pre-log, pre-preview, pre-load, whatever you want to call it. I don't know. I don't even know right now. I'm in a great mood trying to get this done. It's freezing here in Texas, and I hate it left 60 degrees in California to come back to this crap. It's ridiculous. But anyway, so we'll we'll go ahead and, and break all those down, all those games, and again, I'll give you my, my few waiver wire guys to add, and then that'll be it for today's podcast. So let's go ahead and get into that breaking news. Alright, so the biggest news, I guess, for today really is Devonta Freeman. He is under he's to undergo groin surgery. He is being placed on the IR. He is done for the rest of the season. And I mean, that's what I I, I assume. Uh, there isn't a report that I've seen that actually rules him out for the whole season, but it's like the next eight games. I mean, that's pretty much the end of the fantasy season for us at this point. 
Uh, so I, I don't see him coming back. That's huge for Tevin Coleman and Ido Smith. Uh, Ido Smith is one of the waiver wire guys I'll talk about later. Obviously, Tevin Coleman as well. Um, it's still going to be a, a committee backfield uh, from everything I've seen so far with Freeman being out. That's the way it's been. And for me, I don't even honestly know which one I would rather have. Um, I, I, at the beginning of the season, it would have been Coleman for me. I've, I've always been a big Coleman believer. This regime drafted Coleman. They wanted him to be the, the lead back until they really kind of saw what they had in Devonta Freeman. I've always been a firm believer that once Tevin Coleman, I think, leaves this offseason, he has a chance to be is starting running back somewhere. I feel he has that talent, but in all honesty, he hasn't shown that this year. He's really only had the one great game for fantasy and NFL was, uh, you know, really, if he wouldn't have been scoring the way that he has the past couple weeks, he would not have been putting up very good numbers, whereas Ito Smith has been putting up good numbers and scoring every week. He's, in all honesty, kind of become what Tevin Coleman has been in this offense and Tevin Coleman becoming the Devonta Freeman where he's just rushing the ball. If he scores, he had a great week. If not, he struggled where Edo Smith is putting up great numbers, adding the touchdowns, especially in the receiving game. So for me, obviously, if Edo Smith is out there, I'd grab him, especially if you're the Freeman owner and you don't own Coleman. Even if you're the Coleman owner, Grabbing Ito and locking up that backfield, you could likely trade one or the other for something good, especially with as good as Edo's looked. Um... You know, but other than that, like I said, it, it's going to be hard. Obviously, with Freeman out, I think they're really going to be able to uh, kind of game plan more with Coleman being the guy, I would think. Uh, so I, for right now, I would lean him just because I think he'll get a bulk or he'll get more of the rushes than Ito Smith. But I, I want to see, especially this week, how those two are used um, in, the, I believe, the Monday night game against the New York Giants because it's going to be... Like I said, if it's a full-on committee, I don't know how you can trust either one, but I think if you've got either one, uh, you've got to play them just because they both have tremendous upside now with Freeman being out for good. Uh, Josh Allen is going to be out for at least a couple weeks with the Bills. He suffered an injury to his ulnar collateral muscle, I believe is what it was, which is uh, usually when you hear that, that is something where uh, you have to get Tommy John surgery. He has a sprained ulnar collateral ligament is what it is. Uh, so for baseball-wise, if you watch a lot of baseball, pay attention to it. That is when a pitcher injures their throwing arm and they've got to get Tommy John surgery. Uh, they're ex- not expecting that to happen with Josh Allen here. So it'll be interesting to see how that works. Um, again, someone uh, like myself who, who loves baseball pays a lot of attention to it. Uh, there, are, there are different treatments for it. There is a, a plasma injection thing that you can do where they inject plasma and and blood cell, red blood cells and everything into that part of the arm to try and help it heal itself up. Um, I don't know for sure if that's the route they're going. It hasn't. I haven't seen anything other than that that they're going to try and avoid that because uh, again, you pay attention to baseball. You know Tommy John surgery that that's like a year long recovery. Obviously, they don't want to lose Josh Allen for that long. I mean, in my opinion, if if it's something where he's not going to be able to heal it, I think you just do it now. You'll be able to get him back. There would be a good chance if he did the surgery now, he could be back by week one or week two next year. Uh, but at the worst, week four, five, six. Um, and if he's going to be your franchise, in my opinion, there's no reason to putting it off a year. You've already got Nathan Peterman, uh, who's been horrible as is, and Derek Anderson, who I think is going to be the one who starts this Sunday as he was signed last week. Uh, they've said that he's been more of a mentor for Allen, but I think he's going to get the start with as bad as Peterman has been. So, 
you know, with Allen again, if you've got him in dynasty, there's no reason to get rid of him. Obviously, uh, it's going to suck because they won't put him on their their IR that you're probably going to have to ride him or leave him riding on your bench. Uh, in redraft leagues, I would say it's pretty safe to drop him. If you've been using him, though, I'd imagine you're in pretty rough shape as it is if, you, if you've got him. Uh, but just with Allen, well, you know, once more news comes out about it, obviously we'll address it. But right now they're just going to try in some other methods and avoid doing the Tommy John surgery. Other than that, there's really not much news. A lot of trash talk going back and forth between some people. The Ameras talking about Odell needs to play, do more playing, less talking. I mean, that is what it is. I, I, I do somewhat agree with them. Uh, uh, I've always been a firm believer that, you know, if you're a player, you, you keep things in the locker room in between the uh, the players, don't bring it out to the media. But then again, that wouldn't make uh, a lot of our jobs as much fun as they are. And we're talking about some of that stuff. So that part of it is what it is. Uh, perfect. Uh, looks to be probably suspended again for some hits that he put on Antonio Brown. The NFL is reviewing those. That is what it is. Uh, not really a, a fantasy story here, but a big deal for college football. And I'll address this more later on in the week when I do my college stuff, especially trying to catch up on the two weeks worth of college games that I've missed, is that Nick Bosa is, is going to leave uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes just to prepare for the NFL draft. He had the groin injury. Uh, he's not going to come back. Um, you know, as a, as a Buckeyes fan, uh, it's upsetting, in all honesty, to, to hear that he's one of the best defensive players in the game. Obviously, uh, the kid out of Ole Miss, uh, Ed Oliver, is, is by far the best defensive prospect coming out this year, at least in my opinion. Uh, I would think a lot of people have that opinion as well. Uh, but Nick Bose is right up there. He was He's projected, at least was projected before the injury, to be like the second or third pick in the draft. So he's that good. He's Joe, you know, just like his brother Joey Bosa good. Uh, so it, it makes sense to me for him to do this. You don't want to risk coming back and getting more injured uh, and having your stock drop uh, a la Jalen Samuels a couple years ago, uh, Notre Dame-Ohio State game, in a, in a meaningless bowl game where he ended up completely blowing out his knee. And he's just now, this is four, three years later, uh, starting to look like the old uh, old Jalen Samuels. So makes sense uh, for both the side of thing. Again, as, a, as an Ohio State fan, it sucks to hear that because that defensive line was scary with him in it. But it makes sense for him to not be there. So, with all that being said, that's that's it for the breaking news of the day. We'll go ahead and jump right into those Sunday slate games, starting with the Rams and the Broncos game. The Rams, who are the only undefeated team now left in the league at 6-0, beating the Denver Broncos 23-20, leaving the Broncos to 2-4 now. Uh, for the Rams side of things here, uh, a lot of talk about these guys going and playing in the snow and not being able to hold up. Everybody played pretty well here. Uh, Jared Goff obviously had uh, didn't throw a touchdown, just 201 yards, but that is because of how well Todd Gurley played. He gashed this defense all day long. 208 yards on 28 carries and two touchdowns. Just, I mean, completely obliterated that defense. A defense that was expected to be not just a top defense altogether, but a top rushing defense. And they've just, for the second week in a row, been gashed by the run. You know, it's a little bit more understandable, in my opinion, with Todd Gurley, because he's he's probably right now the best back in football. But they let it Isaiah Crowell do it to him the week before, so... It's worrisome, that defense. I think if you've got them, they're almost a drop candidate at this point for 
for the New York Jets and now uh, Los Angeles Rams, like I said, it's a little bit more understandable as good as they've been, but for the New York Jets to be able to beat them up the way they did the week before worries me a little bit. Uh, in the receiving game here, Robert Woods came through for you with 109 yards. Brandon Cook's 53. Cooper Cup uh, got injured in this game. Uh, still not for sure what exactly is going on with him. So he got a, a horse collar tackle from behind. Obviously, that's what a horse collar tackle is. Uh, and while the guy was pulling him back, uh, he kind of bent his knee and ankle in a weird way, kind of like a weird motion. Uh, and it really kind of looked, in my opinion, I thought he was done with the way his knee kind of bent and buckled. I thought he was going to be done for the year. They carted him off the field and everything. It looked bad. He came back out in the second half, really only kind of played in one series, didn't look that good, and then they kept him out. They've already come out and said that he will not play next week against the 49ers. They're uh, right now, all they're saying is that it's a sprained MCL. Um, I, in redraft leagues, I think you've got to keep him because they really haven't said how long he's going to be out right now. I would imagine it's going to be quite a couple weeks, especially, again, with a wide receiver and the way you've got to cut and make turns. Uh, it's not going to be easy for him to get right back on the field. But it is good news that he was able to come out there and play. That would, you know, for most people, show you that there's at least some stability in the knee. You're not worried about it being too serious or they wouldn't have let him go back out there. So for him, you know, I, I, like I said, redraft hold him. Obviously, dynasty are holding him. That's not even a question. Redraft, I'd hold him for at least a couple weeks. And then if it comes out and they say he's going to be out till week 12, 13, Maybe you drop him. I, I still wouldn't, uh, depending on your bench depth and what you have, because uh, getting him back for the playoffs if, with the connection he has with golf would be, you know, amazing. At least in my opinion. Uh, and with him being out, I expect Josh Reynolds to get a to get a huge crop up uh, or a huge bigger workload. I guess would be the way to put. It. I don't know why crop up. You know, when you say crop up, most people think crop dusting, which is not a not fun unless you're doing it. It's fun, uh, but. For, for me, I think uh, Josh Reynolds is the next guy up there. He played a little bit here, did just get the one catch for negative two yards. Uh, I don't expect him to be as good as Cooper Cup. I imagine they're going to lean more on Cooks, Woods, and Gurley. Sean McVay has come out and said that Reynolds and Gerald Everett will get more of the work. I, I would like Reynolds, obviously, over the tight end Gerald Everett. On the Broncos side here, so... Case Keenum went from having a horrible day to actually a really good one. 322 with two touchdowns and an interception. He's thrown an interception now in, I believe, all six of his games. He obviously clearly has not looked like what he did last year. A lot of people didn't think that he would. A lot of people thought last year was the aberration. I don't think he's been quite as bad as he's been in the past, but clearly not quite the whole uh, Minnesota Vikings Case Keenum that we all hoped we were getting when he came to Denver. And the rushing attack here, nobody really did anything between Freeman and Lindsey Freeman, which is 22 yards, Lindsey 18. Uh, Lindsey did add, of course, 48 yards in the receiving game, which is where he comes through for you yet again. That's what he's going to do. You know, again, I don't, I can't talk about the kid enough. I love him. Talked about him coming out of college. And uh, he's still yet, I think, really... If you go back and look at this rookie class where a lot of people have were, were building this up, including myself, I really thought this was going to be a loaded running back class. You've really only had a handful of guys come through in this class. And I would say Freeman's been good. He's, he's come through, been a little disappointing. But for someone who's drafted, um, 
you know, I would imagine in the first round of all rookie drafts, he's he's at least come through better than some of the other guys. And then Lindsey, of course, some some rookie drafts he wasn't even drafted in. He wasn't even drafted in the NFL draft. So for their receivers here, I mean, Emmanuel Sanders just continues to have this great connection with uh, Case Keenum. Could have had two touchdowns on the day, obviously. Uh, the one called back, uh, they said that he was down on the one-yard line, got the taunting penalty on, but he finished with 115 yards and a touch. Demarius Thomas came through with a touchdown this week as well with 57 yards. And then the rookie, Cortland Sutton, 58 yards. And, of course, a lot of that coming really on the one big play where he got uh, 41 yards. Again, in, in Dynasty Leagues, I really like what this kid's doing. Um, I still don't think he's got much redraft value right now, but... Uh, just from what I've seen from him, Dynasty Leagues, if you've got him, man, you've got to be excited with how good he has looked so far. On the next game, we have the uh, now 4-2 and Baltimore Ravens shutting out the now 3-3 three and Tennessee Titans 21-0. So for Baltimore's side of things here, uh, Joe Flacco had an okay game, 238 in the air, touchdown, interception, nothing spectacular, uh, but came through as a middle-tier Q- middle QB, which is exactly what he is if you're expecting him to be anything more than that you're fooling yourself because this is Joe Flacco Uh, in the rushing attack Alex Collins while he didn't look good he did get two touchdowns and 54 yards uh, but just on 19 carries averaging just 2.8 yards a carry uh, just not looking great in my opinion as a running back, he he's going to get the workload, which is good for him. They're going to keep giving him the ball as long as he doesn't fumble or, or continue to struggle with fumbles like uh, like he was earlier in the year. So as long as he continues to get the workload, I think you've got to throw him out there. But definitely came through for you this week, especially getting the two touchdowns. Other than him, though, nobody else really did anything. They did have... Uh, the new guy, Gus Edwards, uh, got more carries than Javorius Allen, did get 42 yards. Javorius Allen was really kind of relegated to just a receiving back out of the backfield with only 18 yards. It didn't do much other than that. Michael Crabtree had a pretty good game here in the receiving game, was matched up against Malcolm Butler. Wasn't expecting him to go off, but he was getting open for Flacco all day long, which I really think kind of hurt the rest of the receiving core here. Uh, Crabtree did get the 93 yards and a touchdown. Willie Sneed, the next best, with 60 yards. And then John Brown, just 28 yards this week. Again, I'm not worried about Brown. I think this was more just the fact that Crabtree was able to get open as much as he was, that it kind of limited everybody else. A little disappointing for me here was Hayden Hurst. Uh, Just hasn't done anything um, for for them. I was really kind of expecting him once he came back. Uh, to really kind of jump up and be like a top 12 to 15 tight end. He has not done much. Maybe the injury is still affecting him. I haven't seen anything to that point, so I, I can't say that that's what's bothering him. But uh, I am, in all honesty, a little disappointed that he hasn't been able to do more since coming back off the injury report. For the Titans side of things here, in all honesty, there's nothing. I mean, like, there's really nothing to break down here. Mariota, horrible, 117 yards, that's it. You know, added 25 on the ground, but still, he's just... Whether it's the elbow injury, this offense, I don't know what's going on, but Mariota has not looked good. He continues to struggle. This rushing attack is ridiculously just pathetic. Derrick Henry, 21 yards on 7 carries. Deion Lewis, 9 yards on 5 carries. You know, I don't understand why Deion Lewis looks so good in Week 1 and then has done nothing. I don't know if it's the offensive scheme, planning what, I have no idea, but... 
Their wide receivers, again, nothing. Their best wide receiver was Tajay Sharp with 33 yards. That's it. Corey Davis, one catch for 24 yards. Um, he did, however, overthrow Taewon Taylor, wide open, who would have scored a touchdown here, who just finished with the one catch in 13 yards. Would have easily been about a 40, 50-yard bomb, but Mariota overthrew him after he uh, ran by the defenders. Oh, excuse me. I was not expecting that yawn to... Uh, catch me the way that it did there. So other than that, though, I mean, I, I think you've kind of got to avoid all Tennessee players at this point. They're going into London next week to play what's looked to be a very good Chargers team. So I would just avoid the Titans altogether, at least for right now. The next game, kind of the same thing, really, for, for a team over here, the Cowboys and the Jaguars. The now 3-3 three and three Jaguars got a 40-burger dropped on them by the now 3-3 three and three Dallas Cowboys, losing 40-7. For the Jaguars here, Blake Bortles just continues to suck. I mean, that's really the only other way to put it. Ouch, town population, you, bro! It's honestly scary to see how bad that he has been, um... A lot of people, again, including myself, really thought the way he played at the end of the season and into the playoffs, he would kind of project that moving forward and play that well this year, and he is not. Uh, just 149 yards, a touchdown, and an interception, added 22 yards on the ground, but was just, in all honesty, playing horrible against a very good Cowboys defense, though a team that uh, is not getting a lot of credit for how good their defense has been so far this season. Uh, Jamal Charles joined this team uh, over the past few weeks that I've been gone. Didn't do anything here. TJ Yeldon got a bulk of the carries. Really only 8. Didn't do anything really. 41 yards. Now added another 29 in the air. Just a pedestrian day for him. Same with really everybody. Again with as bad as Bortles struggled. It affects the entire team including their wide receivers. Keelan Cole was the best wide receiver on the day. With 4 catches and 41 yards. D.D. Westbrook right behind him with 3 and 38. You know until... Blake Bortles can do something better and or if they get a quarterback in there. I saw a lot of talk about maybe they should trade for Eli Manning. I don't know how that's any better. Um, but, you know, I honestly thought a, a smart move for the Jaguars might be to trade for Tyrod Taylor. Uh, you know, you know, I don't, I know Tyrod uh, has his issues too, but I think he could be better than Blake Bortles and really get this offense going because he's really been the reason that they have struggled. Uh, on Dallas's side here, uh, Dak, you know, he, he finally had himself a, a good game here. Still only 183 yards in the air with the two touchdowns, but did add 82 yards on the ground. Um, I did like the kind of run pass options they were running and allowing him to get out of the pocket and run. I think the Cowboys should do that more often, and I think their offense could look quite, not, not quite as good as they did against Jacksonville, putting up 40 points, but I think they could be a more formidable threat. Um We'll see if they continue doing that. Uh, I did like, though, what I saw out of Dak. Just need him to do more in the passing game. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott ran wild yet again, 106 yards and a touchdown. Uh, in the receiving game, little Cole Beasley came through for you. 101 yards, the first guy to put up 100 yards and multiple touchdowns. He had two in this game uh, for the Cowboys since I believe it was December of 2015. So it's been a long time since they've had a wide receiver ball out like this. Cole Beasley finally putting up some numbers for the Cowboys receivers. And then, no joke, nobody else did anything. The best wide receiver after that, Michael Gallup with 27 yards on one catch. And then their tight end, uh, Jeff Swain, 21 yards on two catches. So, really, uh, if Dak's going to be able to continue to play like this, I think the only guy you can trust is Cole Beasley. 
Dak and Zeke as of right now going forward. Going into the Sunday night fantasy football bonanza that it turned out to be uh, the now 5-1 and one Kansas City Chiefs losing to the now 4-2 and two New England Patriots 40-43. to 43. And Patrick Mahomes came through again. And I just, I don't know how you can doubt this kid anymore. He's been awesome. You know, I honestly, um, I was a little down on him going into this year because uh, he did not look that great last year, obviously. And then all talks about the interceptions. I always thought he was uh, going to be have that gunslinger mentality, which he's had. He's done a very good job up until this point, obviously. Uh, but I, I honestly didn't think he'd be as good as he's been. And, and good for him. Good on him. Good on Andy Reid for moving up in the draft uh, to take him last year and, and just... You know, helping him look this good. But 352 in the air, four touchdowns, two interceptions. Just continues to ball out against a, a very, a fairly good Patriots defense. And, you know, he, he looked poor early on, really bounced back. I like the way that he bounced back. Um, I think that says a lot about him and this team. Uh, Kareem Hunt uh, did decent here in the rushing game, 80 yards, but then obviously really came through in the passing game with 105 yards and, of course, the touchdown coming on the 67-yard play where he got down the sideline and Mahomes hit him you know, on a dime. A beautiful play down the sideline for a touchdown. Uh, and the receiving game here, I mean, Tyree killed. Ty freak, baby. This dude, 142 yards and three touchdowns. He is just so... Good. I mean, it was ridiculous him running by defenders, getting open, coming back, making catches, jumping in the air, making catches. Of course, when Hill goes off like this, who, and again, I said earlier this year on the Back Row Fantasy Show, a great show, a great pod, another podcast. If you guys listen to this, want great IDP knowledge and just other knowledge in general, those guys do a good job. Uh, but we had a little debate episode earlier in the year. I said I thought Tyreek Hill was going to finish as a top 12 wide receiver. And he is making me look very smart on that. Where I thought his counterpart wouldn't even finish as a wide receiver. Three, Sammy Watkins. And again, when Tyreek Hill goes off the way that he has, it affects everybody else. Travis Kelsey, just 61 yards. Sammy Watkins, just 18. On the Patriots side here, Tom Brady, obviously... Outdoing, uh, uh, I was gonna say Kareem Hunt, um, Patrick Mahomes here, 340 yards, just the one touchdown though, um, which went to Julian Edelman, his boy, who added 54 yards in the air. Uh, Sony Michelle continues to dominate on the ground, 106 yards and two touchdowns, while James White continues to do a very good job in the receiving game, 53 yards, added 39 on the ground. Again, both these guys, in my opinion, are fantasy relevant every single week if you've got them. Play both of them because they're going to get you points. Uh, in the receiving game, Gronk did get you 97 yards, though a lot of that coming right at the end in the final drive to get them set up into field goal territory. Chris Hogan came through with 78 yards, though I doubt anybody started Chris Hogan as bad as he's looked. And then, of course, Josh Gordon. After Tom Brady put an Instagram a post up, that said attack about Josh Gordon. Everybody thought he was going to go off, and he was targeted quite often, just got the uh, five catches for 42 yards. Just missed a touchdown catch. Uh, actually had it in his hands and dropped it. Had he not probably been tackled right around the feet by the defender where they got the P.I. call at the one-yard line, uh, I think he probably would have caught it. Would have been awesome being a Josh Gordon owner myself to have those points, but it just wasn't meant to be. And now on to the Monday night game between the San Francisco 49ers and the Green Bay Packers. 
Uh, San Francisco lost to the Green Bay, falling to one and five, and Green Bay going to three two and one, beating them thirty three to thirty. For the San Francisco 49ers here, I mean, honestly, a great job of this team. I don't think anybody expected them to come out and play the way that they did. CJ beat hard, played really good. Uh, 245 yards, two touchdowns, and interception. I wouldn't expect this out of him every week, but it was awesome to see him in the spotlight kind of come up big for this team. In the rushing attack here, Matt Breida, 61 yards, and then the early touchdown. Uh, and then Raheem Mostert got 87 yards on the ground as well. We did not see, I thought, I believe it was um, Alfred Morris played one snap. I, I said on the podcast, I didn't think, on Monday's podcast, I didn't think he was going to do anything. I honestly think he's kind of dead now. Uh, I did think Juice was going to do something. Did have 30 yards in the air. Uh, Would have been more had he not fumbled the ball. Uh, they kind of moved away from him after that point. But uh, on Alfred Morris, I would kind of avoid him altogether. He's probably droppable uh, for most people and in most leagues. Uh, I don't think he's going to do anything here unless Brita goes down with a serious injury, which it doesn't look like he's, he, it looks like he's going to continue playing uh, even though being injured. Uh, the receivers here, Marquise Goodwin came through for you, obviously, 126 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, again, he had a fairly good connection with, with Bethard last year. Uh, I thought they, they played well together, struggled a little bit early on, but the, you can see that Bethard was still going to, to him, and he really came through for you this week. Garcon just 37 yards, and then, of course, Kittle just 30 yards. A little disappointed with Kittle. Uh, he's been Bethard's guy uh, over the past couple weeks since Garoppolo got hurt, but, I mean, when when you get the big plays to good when uh, you got to keep going to him, and, and that's what they did. Uh, on Green Bay side here again, Aaron Rodgers just comes through for through for you again. He's a, he's a bad bad man. You can never count this guy out. He continues to impress. Had a uh, 425 yards in the air and two touchdowns. Again, just a uh, I mean, in my opinion, the best quarterback I've ever seen play. I think he's better than Tom Brady just because of what he can do in and around the pocket to extend plays. Of course, doesn't have the rings though. In the uh, rushing attack here, I mean, it just continues to be a three-headed, complete, annoying backfield, in my opinion. Aaron Jones, the best out of the three of them. Eight carries for 41 yards, averaging five yards a carry. Jamal Williams got six carries for 29 yards, and Ty Montgomery, four carries for 12 yards, did get the touchdown. Uh, Jones did have the touchdown earlier in the game. I believe it was actually their first touchdown. Got called back, and then they ended up. Uh, throwing a touchdown to Ty Montgomery. Uh, it's just frustrating. I don't think you can start any of these guys until they make up their mind on what they're going to do with them. I have been on record saying I think Aaron Jones is the best of the three, but until he starts getting the workload, I just don't see how you can start him anymore. Uh, for the receivers here, his guy, Rogers' guy, Devontae Adams, comes through 132 yards and two touchdowns, continues to ball out. He actually had three guys over 100 yards with Jimmy Graham coming in at 104 and Marquez Valdez-Scantley coming through with 103. Um, I think as long as Geronimo Allison and Randall Cobb are out, uh, Valdez-Scantley is going to have fantasy value. Again, 100 yards this week, scored last week. Uh, looks to be a really good player. Uh, loved the way ESB looked, though he only had the one catch in 19 yards. I thought he would score. He did not, um, but I still like the way that ESB looks. Uh, definitely keep an eye on him in Dynasty Leagues. I think he could be someone interesting next year for this team, especially if they decide to move on from Cobb. Uh, might be available on your waiver wire. In Dynasty Leagues, I would definitely pick him up. So that's going to do it for the uh, breakdowns of all the games, including the Sunday night and Monday night games. So now for my waiver wire um, ad. So 
Again, looking at ESPN's ownership percent percentages, Marlon Mack is still widely unknown, probably due to the uh, the injuries that he suffered earlier in the season. A lot of people not knowing or not for sure when he's going to come back. Showing that he's owned in about 25% of leagues. As much as I don't like Marlon Mack, I think he's worth a pickup. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts look to be... Obviously, a decent offensive team. Naheem Hines is going to get a lot of the passing work, but not really a lot of the rushing attack. Uh, if they can get down into the red zone, I think Marlon Mack can score. He's obviously shown that uh, he can be trusted with Andrew Luck. Had a decent game this past week. Uh, did get 89 yards on the 12 rushes, so I thought uh, had a fairly good game. If he's available in your league, he would be probably my number one overall waiver wire option. There's a couple guys that I think are right there with him, but he would definitely be my number one. Uh, we're going to stick with the the running backs here. So the next guy, um, and he would be kind of right there with me as my number one running back guy would be Ito Smith. We talked about him earlier. Just 10% owned. Again, with Devonta Freeman now being put on IR, he's going to be out for at least eight weeks. Uh, Ito Smith has already been good, been having uh, multiple good games, scoring in multiple games uh, since Freeman's kind of been in and out of the lineup with Coleman. Again, I do think it's going to be a little frustrating at times between the two of them, especially if you have both of them knowing which one to start, who's going to have the better game what week. And uh, as much as I like Coleman, again, I've been a huge Coleman guy, huge Coleman believer all this time. Edo Smith has looked really good, so he would be my next best guy. And then my last running back to look at here would be uh, Peyton Barber for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, owned in about, I believe it was 42 is what I wrote down, I think is what it says, 42%. Uh, percent. Again, had a great game this week, 84 yards on 13 rushes. Did get a receiving touchdown as well. With Jameis Winston back, I think his value is boosted up. I think he has a chance to then move back into the RB2 territory. Uh, so definitely a guy I would look at picking up. On the uh, quarterback side here, uh, Mitch Trubisky has been fairly good lately. Uh, if you're struggling at quarterback or you need a new guy uh, or someone for a bye week fill-in, I would definitely pick him up. Uh, he is owned right now, I believe, in about 32% of leagues. Uh, if he continues to even do half of what he's done lately, he'll put up decent points for you again in a bye week. Likely you already have someone starting for you. But he could definitely be a good bye week fill-in. Uh, other than him, nobody else I really saw that interesting. At wide receiver, you have got Christian Kirk, who has now had back-to-back -back two uh, good games, 162 yards uh, over the past two weeks. Only owning 14% of leagues. Uh, as long as they're not, you know, Christian, not Christian Kirk, as long as Josh Rosen is in there, I think Christian Kirk is worth owning. They have to seem to have a very good uh, chemistry. They're not really getting Larry, the legend, Fitzgerald, the ball, and David Johnson can't do everything, so they're going to have to rely on somebody. I think that it's Christian Kirk. Um, Chris Godwin, again, I don't know how he's still not owned more, uh, available in about 39% of leagues, or owned in 39% of leagues, uh, he scored again this past week, it scored in five of the, four of the five games this season, I think he's easily got, you know, wide, low-end wide receiver two upside, uh, so I think if he's on your waiver wires, he's definitely worth a waiver add. 
Taylor Gabriel of the Bears is another guy I would add at the wide receiver position. Uh, ownership percentage is about 31%. He's had 100 uh, receiving yards in back-to-back games. Again, uh, as I talked about a couple weeks ago with Anthony Miller going out, Gabriel would step up. I don't think he's going to relinquish that position back. He's a very good offensive weapon uh, and can be used in multiple different ways. Other than those guys, not really seeing much more on here. Oh, Josh Reynolds. I forgot about Josh Reynolds. I uh, talked about him earlier. I do think he's going to get an uptick in work now with Cooper Cup being out. Don't expect him to be Cooper Cup. Uh, but if he's getting enough workload to make him fantasy relevant, he is worth a stash. Right now owned in less than 1% of, the, in 1% of leagues. Alright, so that is going to do it uh, for the waiver wire, and that's going to do it for the podcast today, guys. Again, thank you for listening to the Fantasy Roundtable podcast. Uh, I will be back again tomorrow with what I got wrong in my Wednesday rankings and my new Wednesday rankings. Um, You know, not a great week for me this past week. I I don't really have a good excuse as to why. It was just a bad week for me. Uh, But we'll definitely talk about that tomorrow. I might... No, never mind. Not my. I will go over kind of the top players at each position as well right now as we get into the middle tier of uh, the NFL season, or at least for our NFL fantasy season. And I'll give you guys kind of my, my midway MVPs at each position and kind of my top steals as well. So until tomorrow, I will talk to you guys uh, again later. Peace. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your pop on there. Who can make a play? I can! Who can make a play?